Uh, yes, this is podcast number 257, entitled T-S-O-P, The Sound of Philadelphia. And I had to cut that song off, which is by the group called M-F-S-B. Terrific song from the Philadelphia Sound, simply because it goes on forever. It's really a disco song, in effect. And um, I needed to cut it off to uh, to not overwhelm the poor listener with six minutes of uh, wonderful, albeit lengthy, disco. And the, um, the purpose of the uh, cast, which was inspired by the instrumental song for no reason that I can put into words because often inspiration strikes from a song and nowhere else or from nowhere else and then the the um, for some reason it touches something in my inner life that uh, then begins to come out and it happened with this it came uh, in connection with a word that uh, Mary uh, had offered concerning a development in our own thinking uh, hers and mine that is uh, increasingly um, helpful and important and also empirically um, accurate to what we feel. And the word is periphery because we find, uh, and now let me use the first person singular, I find that the that the more I reflect on living both my own past life and uh, sort of observing things going on in the world, I find myself more and more on the periphery. And this is not kind of a lecture of a sort of a so-called older person who's kind of going to try to straighten out a younger person and say, well, in effect, you know, you just wait and see, you know, just, I know you're running around very busy right now, like the, you know, the disciples on the boat in Delacroix's picture of the, the boat on the Sea of Galilee and Christ is in the middle and we're really sleeping peacefully in the middle of the storm while you lot are, you know, racing around. Uh, a, it's not true <laughs> because inward anxiety is just as strong, even if you're not able to do anything about it. And secondly, um, uh, this is really a, 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 a kind of analysis or observation of what goes on in the hopes that it would um, actually uh, help me to see the plus side of being on the periphery and sort of embracing that rather than seeing it as kind of being cashiered. And um, let me say what I mean, because I, I hope it'll it'll uh, actually, you know, it could um, kind of um, preempt one or two over-identifications that you have, while not discouraging anyone from taking arms against a sea of troubles. And uh, um, what I find is the uh, longer I observe institutions, schools of thought, people, groups, ideas, and uh, places where I've been attached, or to which I've uh, had a strong emotional attachment, mostly because I was there, I lived through it, um, it, it's sort of being pried away. My attachments are being pried away, not by my own desires, but by the disillusionment in, in, in relationship to what actually happens over time to these various institutions, schools of thought, and groups of people to which you've attached yourself. And let me give you some examples. I find that I no longer ever, ever, ever want to have anything to do with Harvard College. And uh, uh, that, that's a real change for me because I've always treasured the years I had there. I treasured the affirmation that I received by being accepted there. And then I uh, had a wonderful education as a classics major there um, and met wonderful professors who actually were interested in learning for its own sake. I'd never really run into that before. The, the, the ideal uh, college professor is someone who actively is interested not so much in his career or, you know, where she's going uh, in up the ladder, but rather up the ladder to the roof, you know, but rather in the ideas or subject itself. That was an incredible blessing at Harvard, and I've only seen a few of those people before. But what um, has happened, because the, in the, the administration of Harvard College has targeted um, single-sex organizations, the 
my greatest fun and my joys of beyond all other joys at Harvard College were my final club. And the, the instead of being neutral and uh, allowing it sort of just to exist on its own, because it's really quite harmless. These are not dens of iniquity. They're quite harmless. Um, uh, the uh, university has decided to come down on the single-sex organizations and destroy them They've uh, and actually annihilate them through a number of strictures that they've placed on them and sanctions as they call them it's not a neutral thing nor is it even a ideologically diverse thing it's a targeting uh, based upon a highly set uh, uh, ideological agenda which knows no mercy and um, so whether you identify at all with what I said um, you may have an institution in your life which functions a guy told me once that next to next to God Dartmouth College was everything in his life more even than his family I mean, he, he was a very active donor to, to Dartmouth, and he sort of had to believe that because he'd given so much money to it. But um, he was wrong to see it that way. I mean, he was, that was a mistake, and he's bound to be disappointed. But um, you, you are. But I, that's one example. And another example would be Chapel Hill. I went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, uh, Carolina, as it was called, out of a kind of... A kind of a romantic desire as a very young person to be connected to its kind of cavalier southern tradition, its gentlemanliness, its refinement, and it's a little bit of real Christianity still floating around. Something about the culture I found mild and lovely and uh, uh, to be um, enjoyed and to have sympathy with and had a wonderful two years, especially at a fraternity on campus at Chapel Hill. But now uh, the way that the old statue called Silent Sam, which is a memorial to those men of the university who died during the Civil War on the fighting for their state as they saw it, was toppled recently by a group of extreme agitators, most of whom had no connection with the university. And the police just stood by and watched it happen. And it's not um, an ideological thing. Uh, it's a home. It's it's taking. Uh, I didn't care less. Could care less about. I had no relatives who had given their lives for the Tar Heel State on the side of the Confederate States of America. None, zero. Had absolutely no connection. But there was something kind of quiet and lovely, uh, simply because I was in a state to be in a place that needed to be quiet and, li- and, and lovely and beautiful by the old well in the middle of the old campus at Chapel Hill, and to have this statue, which is simply part of the of the um, of the feel of the place, um, to be destroyed. Uh, without any vote, without any uh, um, kind of uh, process at all. And then for the university administration to sort of go along with it out of fear of being regarded as something negative and right-wing, it's just blown it for me. I don't want to go back. It's just an emotional thing. I said, you know, they've destroyed something that mattered. It's like if you went back and took all of Elvis Presley away out of the country or decided for whatever reason that the Beatles were never to be listened to again or um, something that we had, some book that we'd read that meant a great deal to us, you know. I heard the owl call my name, you know, something like that. Light in the forest, uh, Conrad Richter. I mean, uh, these are, you know, um, uh, if you took it away, it's not that an ideological thing. It's home. It's, it's the person I was. I read Light in the Forest. You know, that's not... Not a good example, but you know what I'm talking about. I was by Silent Sam. It's an attack on me. They don't see it that way, but it is because part of my heart, because I spent two years there, two years of my life are invested in the aesthetics and the feel of that beautiful spot. So um, it destroyed it. So now I'm in the periphery of Chapel Hill. I'm in the periphery of Harvard College. 
I could talk about the church, which I won't get into, but you need to be in the periphery of everything. But I will tell you this. Um, I, uh, I have, uh, I'm, 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 I'm more traditional in my politics than many. I'm, I certainly have been uh, outflanked on the right. I certainly know what it is to be attacked uh, from the right bitterly and destructively and maliciously and horribly and in a planned, uh, systematic manner. I've uh, experienced that, and my ministry has suffered terribly from attacks on the right. Nevertheless, in the current climate and over the years, the balance of the attacks have come from the left, not from the right, because in the name of diversity and inclusion, that means uh, groups of, you know, that you approve of, but uh, if you fall into the wrong group, there's no diversity for you. If you fall into the wrong group, there's no inclusion for you. And if you're a traditional Christian in relationship to this, that, or the other thing, no, uh, there's, you, you, you've been margin, you're on the margins, but no one's going to bring you back into the center. That you're, you're not only in the margins, you run the risk of being imprisoned. And, and I can honestly say that uh, the uh, fact that the malice, the malice that has developed in our own culture has sort of made me almost on the periphery of my patriotism. I almost feel like, you know, well, let somebody else defend this country or whatever the common shared values of it are. The Star Spangled Banner and Francis Scott Key and Fort McHenry and the Continental Congress and the Constitution and Abraham Lincoln and uh, Elvis Presley and, um, uh, you know, uh, those things which we value, D-Day, you know. It's as if... um, the things that uh, I grew up with that, that I considered second nature, uh, I didn't see, I don't see any uh, evil in a number of these things are suddenly uh, absolutely uh, blacklisted. And uh, it's not even the blacklisting, it's the malice and the uh, unscrupulousness and the uh, very much the confidence that the ends uh, justify the means. And I see this everywhere. I see it right now in the newspapers. And, um, you know, Gerald Hurd said that the Means determine the ends. Very, very important thing to say. The means determine the ends. Um, So if you're unscrupulous in relationship to a nominee or a a candidate in what you believe is in service of a cause that you believe is right, your unscrupulousness will ultimately change the actual end. And when you get your end, it will no longer be the beautiful Lamb of God that you anticipated because your means by which you got it have changed it into something quite different. It's become transmogrified from the good thing that it was. So this has to be watched. So I'm almost on the periphery as a patriot. I'm almost on the periphery of the um, wanting to, you know, um, see whatever's going on as a kind of defense against uh, radical hatred and radical unscrupulousness. Um, Maybe, you know, we just ought to give it up. Um, Now, you may say, well, golly, you know, but that's what's being in the periphery. And there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in uh, no longer sort of sweating uh, even the country because, uh, you know, if, if it's lost, just withdraw your emotional investment. Now, the point about that is twofold. First, I'm going to play you a song at the end, which I'll introduce now by Steve Perry, who has come back. Steve Perry. Oh, my gosh. Steve Perry's voice, while it doesn't have that extraordinary high, high tenor, uh, pure high tenor that characterized almost all his songs for Journey, he, it's still the emotion, the emotion, the unmediated uh, 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 emotion that comes through Steve Perry's voice, even with its slight huskiness and its slight change. The pure emotion is extremely powerful and affecting. And uh, his new uh, um, song from his album Traces, which I think has just been out two weeks, 
I've gotten it up for you. And in it, he says, no more crying. I don't, I'm, I'm, no more crying for me. He talks about a girl that he loved who dumped him, uh, left him, and left him totally alone. And she was everything to him. She had lifted him up from weakness so he could actually live. And then she's gone, and, and he's crying. And uh, now he's decided, well, okay, no more. I'm, I'm going to close the door and retreat into my little room. He's going to pull the Benedict option, but a Benedict option of one. He's going to leave it all behind him and no longer be engaged emotionally. So he says, no more crying. It's a kind of picture of the Buddhist uh, exhortation. You know, if you withdraw your, if you unplug your emotional investment, if your ego unplugs its attachments to whatever it is attached to, love and certain individuals and groups and schools of thought and people, then the ego can't be harmed and hurt. So if you withdraw and go on the periphery, no more crying. Um, That'll be the result. And it's a good thing. Uh, But the way he says it, the feeling of the song is so emotional that you sort of see that this uh, option, the Buddhist option, is a failure. And it is a failure, by the way, because when you you go on Buddhist retreats or meet American Buddhists, they're just not very nice. They're usually, you know, we used to be Catholics or used to be evangelical Christians, generally used to be Catholics, and they've thrown it over in favor of a kind of indifference, which I understand. But they'll talk about compassion, but there's no heart. American Buddhists very seldom come across as having heart. Compassion, it's all sort of fielded out in a way that is um, not really heartfelt. You know, you got to have heart. All you really need is heart. It's nothing of damn Yankees in American Buddhism. And so the song is so um, conflicted that uh, his real uh, self is saying, you know, I, I, I no more crying but because of this. I'm not going to get involved emotionally anymore because I've been hurt. You know, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been hurt. Ooh, isn't that the Tams? Well, that's what it is. Um, And yet um, I can't go all the way with that. Can you? I mean, can you, uh, in relationship to being hurt from the left, I mean, can you, uh, maybe I can withdraw my patriotism, maybe I can withdraw my feelings about this or that institution, as I've said, I certainly have. And it's a good thing in some ways, because these institutions, if you idealize them and make them into icons of divinity in your life, when they become religious, or, you know, David Zoll's just completed a most remarkable book, Seculosity, that will be published in April by Fortress Press, and he simply unmasks the religious character of all the things we attach ourselves to. And that's what I'm saying. Uh, You disattach. But the difference here is that when you disattach and get on the periphery, two things. First, we're going somewhere. We're on the periphery of all these false attachments. But the further you go from the false attachments, the more you, in fact, from a Christian angle, are going towards that one true connection and true attachment, which is a relationship with God and Christ through the merciful, absolving, and completely uh, connecting um, love and relationship with uh, 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 the God of all, the God of oneness, the God of all, and a personal God. You've become connected with that which is ultimate and uh, eternal. And so you're going towards something. You're not going away from something. I'll read you from uh, The Cocktail Party by um, uh, T.S. Eliot. I used to sort of cloud over when people would call, call, mention T.S. Eliot, but absolutely right on this one. Listen to this. He says, um, he says uh, in a world of fugitives, the person taking the opposite direction will appear to be running away. In a world of fugitives, the person taking the opposite direction will appear to be running away. Well, if I'm running away, I'm taking the opposite direction from a world of would-be fugitives who are going to find nothing where they're to, from that towards which they are running, and yet I'm going somewhere. 
you know, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm, uh, what's that? It's a Swahili song, isn't there, from the church in Kenya about I'm, we are marching, we are going forward. Um, we appear to be going away, but we're actually going forward. And finally, when this hits, when you are actually on the periphery of things to which you were falsely and disappointedly attached, and you can kind of unplug in the right sense of that word or the proper sense of the word, the accurate sense of that word, and also in the forward-thinking sense of that word, you can then find that you can go back. You can, in fact, go back and, and, uh, and actually get involved again, but without that degree of, uh, you know, totally, you know, I, will this guy get, you know, confirmed? You know, it's, uh, my whole life depends on a positive decision by the Congress in relation to this or that. You can actually do something uh, to enhance the good in the world, but without being so attached to a, a, a particular outcome that um, you, you don't really give God the chance to work it out in his own way. And that's really what I wanted to say. So that's what I had to say. Now listen to Steve Perry, um, my beloved friends, as he sings No More Cryin'. Love you. Well, she told me that she loved me. Forsaken and forgotten On this lost and lonely road She could heal my complications Hold me up when I was low, low That was all So 